Welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I'm Ryan from ColtSploitation.com, and I'm joining my co-host, Martin. How's it going? Oh, pretty good. We are back on this Wednesday before Thanksgiving, at least for our U.S. listeners. Canada's already uh, had theirs, so they don't have to give thanks tomorrow. Um, we already did our Thanksgiving episode last week with Thanksgiving, so you can listen to that uh, if you're really into the Thanksgiving mood. But we're moving on to this week. Because Justice League just released in theaters, and we went out to see it. And there's no point in covering it like three weeks later. So, skipping out on Thanksgiving coverage in order to bring you Justice League today. Um, now, a little note. Normally, we uh, when we go see a film, we, we see it in our hometown. It's a very small theater. We have a small hometown as well. And uh, normally, there's not very many people in the theater. But this time, for Justice League, on a Tuesday night... <laughs> It was surprisingly busy. Um, so didn't, didn't enjoy that. You did not enjoy that. No. Yeah, it's a little bit like I like. You going, feel like they're encroaching on your turf. Yeah. Like, I, come I, on. I like going there and being like one of two people. It's a little bit more fun because then you can openly that, mock things if yeah. you need to. I, I I used to be I used to be someone who never talks during a film. Like, don't talk to me. I just want to be engrossed in the movie. But now, like now, I can't help myself after you know. Going to so many movies in a row where it's like, oh, just me and like one other guy, so I can sit here and you know just totally shit on it or you know. I know I'm more of a quiet watching guy for the most part. My wife hates that because she's a very talkative person during movies, so she always feels like she's watching the movie alone when she watches it with me. But I don't know, I can't help it. Even like when we did that uh, commentary for RoboCop, it's a little bit difficult, especially when you're in the moment, like and you're like. You're under pressure. Like, come up with something. Come up with something to say every single minute of the film. But for the most part, like, I well, don't... Well, that's I, easy. Like, how come this film's made? <laughs> for two hours. Why is like, this film dumb? <laughs> why is Peter Weller not here? <laughs> yeah, that... I mean, but for the most part, I don't talk during movies. So uh, I'm, I am slowly getting used to doing that. My wife is pressuring me to do it more and more. And I do tend to do it a little bit more with you when we're cracking jokes, cracking wise. Um, and, and I think that like when, when we saw Batman v Superman, uh, we were pr- pretty, it was not very many people there, right? No, not like justice league. So we had a little bit more leeway to, to make fun of it. And I, at least I will say before we like get into a full review or anything of justice league, um, it's not as bad as Batman v Superman. So it has that going for it. So obviously there's a little 
less of a chance to make fun of it. Um, and my sister wasn't here this time, which we, when we go see DC movies, we normally see them with my sister because she's a big fan of them. And uh, then normally we clash. She's a, she's a fan of the men in them. Yeah. <laughs> but normally we clash because she's very accepting of a movie's flaws as long as she, I guess you would say, like, I had fun. I had fun with it. Well, because she's um ingrained millennial. We are uh, cusp millennials. We're critical millennials. And, well, no, and- I know. I mean, like, we're cu- we're on the cusp. Yeah. We're like we're right at the front, you know, front end of being millennials. Yeah. So we're like we we have Gen Xers, you know, <laughs> bits into us. Yeah. You know, we're a little bit more hypercritical, and she is not. So when we saw Batman v Superman, she was very just accepting of it. Just like, yeah, it is. And even suicide squad, just very accepting of it where it's like, we're sitting there thinking like, how can you be accepting of this trashy rock strewn (laughs) movie that just has no like sensical non, it has no, it's a nonsensical (laughs) plot, just totally directionless. But nevertheless, um, no run, no rudder on that ship. Yeah. No no big muscly man, you know, directing the guy to beat the drum, you know, so everything's moving in rhythm and on pace. But I will say, like I said in the opening, um Justice League is better than those films, so we'll say that right out right from the opening of this this episode. So you kind of get a context of where we're coming from because if you listen to our previous episodes, uh we did not like Batman v Superman. We did not like uh, Suicide Squad, and we thought Wonder Woman was fine. Like I, I would say tolerable. Yeah, it was. Uh, and we, I think we came back and we like we opened the show with like, well, Wonder Woman wasn't bad, <laughs> something like that, because we didn't want to like overly praise it. And I not- think, and I think you're being too generous too when you say we thought Batman v Superman was bad and Suicide Squad bad. We thought they were fucking trash. Yeah, yeah, you're very softening the blow on it. We, well, because we've beaten that horse. And it will forever be beaten. I know. But I will say, yeah. Until, okay, Z- so. until, until Zack Snyder is forcibly removed from, like, Hollywood directing and writing, that horse needs to be beaten. Well, so, yeah, I guess it does make sense in that context to say that we did hate Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad. Because when we say that Justice League was not bad, that's a pretty high compliment in comparison to... You know the other films in that, and 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 uh, you know, and when we say Wonder Woman was a fine movie too, you know, it was fine. It was it was it was it was fine. Um, we say that, and it's it almost makes it elevated in that sense because you know like how much we did not like the other films in the series. So with that said, when we were going into Justice League, um, I would say like with you because you are, are a pretty big fan of DC and Justice League characters and things like that, you. Before the whole DCEU got started, you were pretty excited to have a Justice League film, right? I mean, that was something that you look forward to basically because of your, you know, your knowledge of Justice League stuff, your, uh, your, um, experience with the cartoon, um, and just overall, overall appreciation for that, you know, Justice League style. Yeah. Um, as we've talked about before on previous comic book episodes, you're, you're more of a comic guy. Uh, yeah, you you yeah. do actually read the comics. I, I do. Yeah. I don't mainly because we're both canonical horse. We love continuity. We love you know, and so like was for something for like me like it's kind of hard to get in you know 
jump into comics because I want to start at the very fucking beginning and then work. It's like the same reason why I'll never get into Doctor Who. I would have to start with like season one and then work my way all the way through. I can never just like jump. I'll just jump in on this random doctor and then, you know, then try to figure everything out. So that's why the comics I've always been stayed away from. But I do love the DC cartoons that came out in the 90s and the early 2000s with Batman the Animated Series. One of the best show, not just cartoons, but one of the best shows I've ever seen in my life. Still holds up today. Batman Beyond was great. The Justice League cartoon and Justice League Unlimited, fantastic. All those, you know, um, cartoons are, are something that I really enjoy. Most of the, you know, DC movies I've, you know, enjoyed. Tim Burton's Batman. And the Dark Knight. The Dark Knight. Burton. The original, like, the stuff. first Superman, you know, Superman 1 and 2. Um, even, even, um, the one with Kevin Spacey is, uh, Luther, Superman Returns, mm-hmm. which a lot of people don't like. I, I actually kind of like that film. I appreciate it for what it is, but... So, and, you know, the Injustice game, like, so I, I, I am interested, and I do know a lot about, like, the DCU and the backstories. I may not read the comics, but I, I do look into that, because I'm interested, I like it, and I enjoy, you know, the universe for what it is, mm. and I've gotten to experience it different ways. Basically, essentially, the way most fans have ingested it, just kind of minus the comics. I kind of, I kind of look at, like, the synopsis of the comics, and then, You like, like to keep up to date with it. But you don't really want to be embroiled in the actual, like, monthly or sometimes bi-weekly yeah. reading of the comic. I don't want to buy, too much buy a comic, get invested in that comic, and find out if I want to figure out what's going to fit, happen in that comic. Jump onto, like, three other side series. <laughs> yeah. You know. Just... Yep. Very, very much how it works nowadays. Yeah. Like, I remember the opening of Tom King's Batman, his you know, the new series that started in 2016 for DC with Rebirth. Um like it was Night of the Monster Men, and you if, um, I'll I'll be honest, I read that online, because if you were gonna do that, you would have to not only buy like the regular Batman series, but then you'd have to jump into uh, Nightwing. You had to jump into uh, Detective Comics, and they they kept crossing over. So like you had two issues of each that you'd have to read in order to no, it's the uh, yeah, know what's know what's going on, and so. That's just too much. I mean, that's that's too much investment for me. But not only that, I will say, and this is kind of getting off topic, but I, I did forget to mention, too, like, the Arkham games, too. Fantastic. Also forgot to mention the original Superman cartoon. Fantastic. Not only that, too, you gotta think about it. For, like, our generation, who's the definitive Batman? Who's, the, like, the definitive Joker? The two big, you know, main staples, you know, and hero, you know, and not just DC Comics, but in comics and, like, heroes and villains lore. It's Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill. Mm-hmm. Hands down. When I think of Batman, it's always going to be Kevin Conroy. When I think the Joker, it's always going to be Mark Hamill. My favorite Batman movie, surprisingly, is actually the Mask of the Phantasm. The first, you know, animated, the animated one. one. I think, you know, it's ap- brilliant. Maybe that's like a whole different topic. But so, I mean, that's how, like, with, like, DC, at least, you know, that's right. my, you know, why I like it. And Yeah. And I would say that, you know, you... you you were excited for the Justice League until Batman v Superman happened, and before Suicide Squad happened. And well, it's even not, with, well, even with like after seeing Man of Steel, mm-hmm. and it's, it's not just, only just because those films were bad in themselves, but that the whole direction the the idea of where this this um, series was headed uh, was just really flawed. 
Because you know that, um, for, for one thing, Batman v Superman, okay, that's fine. And it did have some lead up to Justice League. But then you do Suicide Squad. And it's completely unrelated. And, and not, it doesn't have any bearing on, like, what's to come with Justice League at all. It, it Even seeing, after seeing Justice League... If you didn't see Suicide Squad, you really you didn't miss anything. It because didn't lead all up that, to anything. All that gleamed from Suicide Squad was the end credit scene between Amanda Waller right. and, and uh, Bruce Wayne. Yeah, it, it, when he when they decide that they want to make a Justice League. Well, that he wants to, but yeah. he's getting intel on the these superhumans that she already knows. But I mean, the whole I have a couple of problems. I didn't like because one, I don't like Zack Snyder. Mm. There is not a single Zack Snyder film that I've ever seen. That I've enjoyed. I, I don't enjoy his direction. I don't enjoy his style. It's overly CGI, very focused on like slow mo. Gotta have these crappy color palettes. You know, everything's like, yeah, it's made on a big budget, so like it can kind of look nice, but it, it, his style d- directing is style over substance, and that style's not even good. He's the Michael Bay of, you know, the 2010s, essentially, in the early, two th- later 2000s, with like, three, like 300 and all that. Like, when 300 came out, people were like, this is great, this is awesome. I knew people in college thought it was, like, the greatest movie they've ever seen in their life. And I'm like, this is trash. How, how, there's nothing, you know, you know, there's no direction behind it. It's just like, yeah, look, you know, ooh. Shit's happening. And- look at all those arrows flying up close. Yeah. Ooh, you know. War stuff. So I I don't enjoy his directing style at all. It's it's I think I you're right. I, to me, it's total trash. It, there's no there's no subtlety to it. There's no artistry to it. It's any jackass with a fucking camera, you know, could be like, hey, you don't know, come up with it. And I think that that's probably just the what when we went into Justice League. That's really what we were expecting is just you know another one of these drab jury films and this time pulling in a couple more superheroes into one film rather than you know just having batman and superman and and then you know not knowing what to do with that so especially when you have multiple superheroes in one film that's that's a lot of juggling and for like batman v superman that really didn't even know how to juggle two people three or three, yeah, three. Well, you're, you're you're right. Gal Gadot is such you know is Wonder Woman, yeah, and is, Batman is, be Superman is such a throwaway. Yeah, you know. And then even in uh, like you know those Zack Snyder did not direct, but you have Suicide Squad, which really has no like understanding of how to juggle all of these different villainous characters. But I won't blame like David Ayer on so much on that because I think it's so much like they had to kind of stick to, you know the. Snyder's vision and style. Yeah, and I and I, granted, they went more with a l- more levity in it because, ooh, Guardians of the Galaxy two's doing fucking you know, doing or one at the time. Yeah, is doing great. You know, so let's you know, so we, we got we got to have more comedy because people were bitching about Batman v Superman. One of the criticisms was it was too brooding. It was too, you know, wallowing in its own misery. Which, again, I'm fine. Like, it's not... There's no problem with making, like, these films serious. Christopher Nolan's films were serious. They Mm -hmm. were grounded. But what made them work more was, one, Nolan's a much more talented director. 
and not only that, but they're, they're you know, that seriousness, I think, was lended to the fact that the Nolan-verse was grounded in reality. Yeah, it is. Like, uh, you know, Bane, neither Bane... He wasn't running around with, you know, venom strapped yeah. on him. Yeah, you know. no, neither Bane nor Joker were really doing anything that was so outlandishly comical. Like, in what you get with, like, Batman v Superman or Justice League, which are very, are much more fantastical in what they're showing. Um, part of that is just the characters themselves, like Aquaman is water-based, so there's some... He's an Atlantean. Right. So there's, like, comicalness to that that's, like, inescapable. It's unavoidable. Yeah. That that happens. Um, Superman himself is a, a fantastical character. You have to somehow show him flying and using x-ray vision and things like that. So there, it's less grounded in reality, and I'm, I'm not... I don't care about that either, but I do think there is the ability to make those more serious films without really relying on just like overwhelmingly dark things. Because I wouldn't say that even Batman v Superman was like very was uh, like overwhelmingly dark. It was just that it was it, it didn't really understand its own characters that well. Like it didn't understand really like what ba- made Batman Batman for what well, makes Luther Luther exactly. Well, you know. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't get that. So that was definitely an issue more so for me even than like it being like a dark comic book film. I I don't care about that. Like I I love Christopher Nolan's Batman movies. I I think like The Dark Knight is a really great film despite it being super dark and uh, that's fine. You know, the Joker is a dark character and it doesn't always have to be played up in such a like a comical fashion. So but anyway, um that's how we felt like going into Justice League. Just not very excited. Um kind of you know, and and even with Wonder Woman being a minor success, I wasn't I still wasn't like really gung-ho about justice league because for one thing the direction itself seemed fraudulent or like flawed i i would say that even leading up from like wonder woman and batman v superman there wasn't really much of a like an easter egg to hint at what was to come for justice league not not like some of the marvel films which end on a note where it's like oh okay i see what's coming next like Tune in next time on Dragon Balls. You know, right, like, that's uh, how Marvel ends their, you know, for yeah. the most part, ends their yeah, film. Like, oh, I see what's coming next. Like, this is obviously going to be the next result. And where, you know, those films, they don't, Wonder Woman doesn't really end on much of a cliffhanger note. And Batman v Superman just has a very small, like, tidbit of information that obviously Justice League will be coming and Superman will be coming back. And that's it. So, Grant, but Grant, it's not, it's not that, I think it's, what, the the main problem is, is they got, they got to Justice League too quick. And I think the reason is, is because they realized they're five years too late on doing this whole DC cinematic universe. Mm-hmm. So instead of taking the time to flesh it out and make each story kind of build up and make sense... To get to this point, like they did with Marvel, like they did, like four or five films before they got to the Avengers, right? You know, this one's like we did. Bat, you know, again, Man of Steel doesn't even really count anymore at this point. Yeah, it's part of the universe, but that was like there was such a break between Man of Steel and then Batman v Superman. Yeah, yeah, it's you almost know. like it's not really a part of no. the the whole canon for the, this Zack I mean, Snyder verse. I mean, it is because he did the film. It's the same. It's Henry Cavill. It's 
you know, it all fall, you know, every, you know, Superman picks off, you know, Batman v Superman picks up after that, because it's obviously dealing with the aftermath of Superman fighting Zod, and that's why Batman wants to kill Superman. But I mean, even, but still, it's like, there was such a gap between the two films, it's like, it, alright, you know, it's not like, it's not that important. Right. But, the the point is, like, you're, you're right, they, they, they went way too quick from Batman v Superman to Wonder Woman to Justice League. Whereas in Marvel, you had Iron Man, you had Thor, you had Captain America, and then the, like, the Avengers. Yeah, was, th- which was... which you know the ones the main like the few Avengers in there that weren't like you know big enough they didn't get their own movie so Hawkeye sorry bud you didn't get your own right. movie you know and not really necessary to either um, but he's you know yeah yeah I I definitely yeah I think you're right with that it's just that there's not a lot of lead up and uh, we'll talk about that in just a second yeah. here as we get into the full film. Um, but let's take a break quick and talk about the beer that we've got on the show because we do have a new one on here. Uh, and it's one that we really never um, never cover. Um, at least the, the style st- itself. The style or yeah, the brand? The style. Because we have had the brand on here before. Um, we have New Belgium on here because they have uh, actually a new pack. Normally they don't – I never really see a lot of like actual packs from them. But this New Belgium pack seems to be – like a special release for them. Well, I'll re- you see uh, oh, excuse me, um, fat tire now everywhere. Right. Yeah. yeah it ever, seems like they're just always putting out, you know, fat tire around here. Well, ever since they got, you know, the two, three years ago, they got like bought out or whatever. Cause we like, cause for the longest time it was never something we saw. And then nope. like when they got bought out and they went national. Now we get it all the time, but yeah, we, we never used to. But we have um, a pack on there, and it's it's kind of interesting because they are. It's called the Brewers Blend Pack. Yeah, they're th- they're um well they, first of all they are apparently employee owned. Says on the package. So what they did was <laughs> they were <laughs> yeah they were so they allowed each of their brewers to select a style that they have already that they already make like the Fat Tire or the Citradelic. And then craft another beer that they could pair with it. Uh, that's well, the fat tire, and it's not their normal fat tire. No, it's not either. It's their. It's like a. It's a Belgian Belgian, white, Belgian yeah. white instead of their amber lager. Yeah, but they allowed the their brewers to kind of come up with a different one that's based off of like Trappist Monk styles, like uh, an Abbey Ale, a double, and a um, triple. Is there triple? Is there a triple as well? There's uh, Black Lo- Schwarz Lager. Yep, Schweitz beer. Uh, just love saying it in German, but they got a black lager, uh, Belgian white, the, the citradelic, the citradelic, the sour. Yep, the Abbey, which is a double. Yep, and then, and the, then the then and the, the triple. triple. And uh, the one that we have on the show today is called the Cellar Blender. By the way, you can't see you can't see, but Ryan's like hiccuping and like making faces like a old Tex Avery drunk cartoon. Well, it's partially because I had a bunch of pizza beforehand, so. Yeah, so did I. I probably have old man indigestion. (laughs) But uh, we have the Cellar Blender Sour Ale on here, uh, partially because my wife likes sour beer, so she had to try it. And uh, I thought I was thinking of her the entire time I brought it up. And also because it's an interesting style that we don't normally have because it's technically like a ghost. Um, And I wanted to give it a try. It's a uh, 
heavy 7.5%, and most of the Trappist beers are. Um, I think the Abbey's an 8, and the Triple's an 8.5 or a 9. Yeah, something like that. Uh, so the Cellar Blender is a sour ale particularly made up of cherries and a couple of other fruits like raspberries and cranberries. And it's been aged in uh, wood and then basically fermented for quite a while, I'm assuming, with these various fruits. So in a sense, it's almost it's a beer. But it's almost like winey, like a wine. Yeah, as well. I, I would, I would say the, not the tart. I mean, the like wines have like a tart, like tartness. Um, I'm no wine connoisseur because I, I, it all smells like Easter egg dye to me, but like pure vinegar. Yeah. Um, but it, it does have like the fruity flavor of like a white wine. Yeah, yeah, it does. It, it's like um, I got and I got more like. Like hints of apple, like a little bit of apple tartness. Like like at fir- the first time I tried it, it tastes kind of like a the tartness of it reminded me of like a hard cider, mm-hmm. and definitely like a cherry sourness to it. Cherries come out quite a bit, um, and just that very tart sourness to it um, is really like the main two things that I get. And I will say, like when we had it, it was pretty cold. And I did not like it as much as I do at now that it's warmed up a little bit. I think it's it's a little better at a warmer temperature. Um, it's I don't I feel like it's maybe just not as tart at a warmer temperature than no, it is it's not. when it's no. Colder. I, I didn't grimace mm-hmm. when I drink when I drink like sour beers. I make like a. I would say a, that a, 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 uh, the guy in Dumb and Dumber <laughs> who drinks the cop that drinks the warm beer piss. Yeah, that's the face I go. Yeah, when I drink like a tar- a ghost or you know sour ale, because I, I would say this is better at a warmer temperature as it warms up, just because you don't get that that tartness as much. It does say forty eight to fifty degrees on the bottle, that, mm-hmm. but I mean, who sits there with like a thermometer? Like, uh, eight, oh, it's at forty seven. It's not ready yet. Well, when we first had it, it was quite cold. Yeah, so it was my garage. So it was definitely <laughs> like under that forty eight degree temperature. However, um, so. I'll start off by saying that I I am not a huge fan of ghosts. I can drink them. Really? When did that happen? You you used to be. I mean, I like the ghost style, and I can drink like one of them. But I wouldn't say like I would ever go out of my way to get a bunch of ghosts. Like I'm not I'm not gonna say like oh there's a twelve pack of ghosts I gotta get that. That sounds miserable. Right? Exactly. It's just not something that I would I would go out of my way to do. And even if it's like on tap at a bar, I'm not gonna go out of my way to order that one. I'm gonna go for a, a beer that I've a, a different style of beer that I've never had. I feel before. like if you're at a bar and they got like a ghost on tap, it's just like you want if you get it, you just want to be like oh look at me I'm. I'm trying something true. true. I'm trying something new. Yeah, yeah, unless you really are a fan of it. If yeah. I'm paying like seven dollars for a beer at a bar, you best be, you know, bet, this, bet was, your bottom dollar. If it's something new that I'm trying, it's gonna be like a style, like you know, that I know I can sit there and drink and not, you know, have to ponder whether or not I'm going to enjoy it. Or exactly. Not. And I can totally see like a bar that specializes in ghosts just being like, also, well, we're you know, we're gonna have pickle juice on tap too. I love pickle juice. Just though. like various strains of pickle juice, and that's and they would that they could make a bar out of that. We're gonna have ghosts and pickle juice, and just have your fill. 
<laughs> and I feel like that's what it's like. But uh, the Cellar Blender is good, and I think that New Belgium, for, for this type of style, which they really don't make. I mean, it, As far as we know. Yeah, as far as we know, it's, it seems like a very different style for them, especially going with this Trappist Monk route. Um, I think they do a good job with it. Um, it's a solid ghost, and it doesn't have like the the rottenness that some ghosts can take on if they're fermented for too long. Um, now, I would love to know because, um, and people, please correct me if I'm wrong. I have no shame in saying if I'm wrong on this, but from the variety of beer that we've had from New Belgium and what we see offered around here, not a lot of Belgian styles. So I find it funny that they're called New Belgium Brewery. But don't really, ha- you know, up until this pack that we just got, never really done anything kind of based on a belt, you know, Belgian styles. Because mm-hmm. everything we've had's either been like their IPA or, you know, various takes on their IPAs. Yeah, and, I mean, you know, and, and I the fat tire. I wouldn't say like these are Belgian style either. They're yeah, just, they are. Well, they're just more like the, the triple, the Abbey. Yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, the Belgian white. Yeah. The, the, the whole pack they're, outside of the citradelics of Belgian. No, that's true. I mean, the black lager could be like Belgian, German, German, yeah, you know. But Abby, an Abby, and a triple are definitely Belgian style and a Belgian white, obviously. Yeah, I we haven't had the other ones in this pack, but I would say like the Cellar Blender is a good, and I I should say too that each of these comes with just two. Because yeah, there's six in the pack, and I would say that two of the Cellar Blenders is more than enough, and they want you to mix them too. It mm-hmm. comes with a little pamphlet in there, and they have like six different uh, mixes for you to try. Pairings of the well, two yeah, beers. pour them in a glass and mix them. Like you know, three quarters of this and a quarter of that equals this, and it goes good with this. And the brewer that came up with that kind of has like a little blurb on why they came up with it and why they think it works uh, such a great combination. Which We're- I I won't really. I'm not gonna do. I don't really do. Th- I, it's something actually I haven't really done. Mixing not, beer, yeah, I'm like not, doing I'm, a, a like a real black and tan, like a black and tan. I'm not really that big of a fan of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I will say that I can see the idea working with the cellar blender because they want you to mix it with the citradelic, I believe. And um, I can see it working. I can see that being something because you're going to taper the the citrusy hop flavor with the with the uh, uh, fruity um, sourness sourness to it, and I think that could work. I could see that actually being a tasty brew. Um, as a like as a single beer for sour ale, I think it's pretty good. Like I said, it's not really my style, so I wouldn't go out of my way to have it. But I think they do a good job with it. It's a good example of a ghost style, uh, especially if you like cherry. And I I actually don't like cherry that much, so maybe that that could be another reason why it's not really. Resonating. resonating with me yeah but and it's i would say this is probably on the sour end of what i've had of ghosts listen i know you've had more sour than this yeah I, I, I would say so if there's been a couple that we've had at beer fest it's made me really make faces i think it might be just because i'm getting more used to actually drinking them yeah maybe God, I've been I've been God, nursing you, mine. You look like it sound like a drunk when you're like sitting there indigesting, coughing and hiccuping. Shouldn't have, shouldn't have had uh, all that pizza. No. All right, what do you say? Should we get into uh, Justice League now? I get, guess get full, go diving in like Aquaman. So, like Jason Mimosa. 
<laughs> mimosa. <laughs> he looks like he probably drank a couple, quite a few mimosas on that film. I would say drink something harder than that, based on how Aquaman pounds uh, the rest of his whiskey bottle that he gets at a fucking Russian bar or wherever he is. Icelandic, uh, Icelandic Nordic yeah. bar, yeah. Um, so, Justice League. As you know, Justice League incorporates more than just Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. However, the film doesn't really seem like that's the case for a long period of time because its focal point is on Batman and Wonder Woman and seemingly somewhat strangely at times, whether they'll bone or not. Like, that seems to be, like, one of those, like, will they or won't they? Well, that's from the cartoon. Yeah. I mean, I think I think in some of the comic books, too, that's kind of a... Yeah. I, know, I know some of the comics have, like, Batman and Wonder Woman kind of, like, you know, tee-hee, and, yeah. and other ones, too, they have, like, Superman and Wonder Woman, you know, tee you know. Tickling but, each other. Um, but I, I definitely remember, like, in the Justice League cartoon, you know, they're constantly kind of, like... Yeah. But not, like, in, like, a, oh, they're so silly. It's it's more like, you, like, you can tell, like... Bruce and Diana, they, they really do care for each other. Yeah, there's like a, I would say there's a flirtation here in Justice League that is is kind of um, played up by, more, more so by Gal Gadot, who they use as a flirtation device. Someone should tell uh, Ben, too, like, don't go there. Your name will be in the paper soon if, like, you know. Yeah. You know. Well, I, Bruce looked at, looked at Diana the wrong way, and now. I like that. He's getting sued for millions of dollars i like that phrase too flirtation device as we're talking about <laughs> aquaman and flotation device it's pretty good but anyway no pun intended yeah so uh but anyway her flotation I... device is her ass because this film has a lot of gal gadot at, close-up ass shots yeah, like it does yeah it does it, that and, and, and the film knows it's demographic. Not, not only that but well i will talk about that a little bit when we get into wonder woman specifically but i wanted to start off by talking about the other members of the justice league besides like batman superman and wonder woman because they really don't get that much time uh in this film the b team the b team yeah so we're t- i'm specifically we're talking about aquaman flash and cyborg all of whom have not gotten a standalone movie yet and which, that really which, shows. which which is a problem yeah it, it, absolutely that, that's actually even though we have said previously on thor ragnarok and actually probably a couple other superhero films too that we're getting superhero fatigued you know fr- we're getting franchise fatigued here because mm-hmm. the fact that you're seeing you know getting three films from marvel a year and it's like, ah, oh, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Now you got DCU coming out with, you know, mm-hmm. two films a year, just about. Even with that, yeah, you, we feel as though the Flash, Aquaman, and Cyborg are getting the shaft here. Because in the previous films, they've had no buildup. Exactly. They, like, at least in some of the Marvel films, you get a, like, a, even a, just a mention of, like, oh, that guy's off doing that thing, or, you know, there's, like, a, a somewhat small shot of like them meeting up with another character that you're going to see later on. There's a lot of exposition in this film too. It's like, man, what a, couldn't that be a great film? Like to get like, all, like, you know, like, like we said, like the backstory they give to cyborg here should have been a fucking movie or not. Like, if not a movie should have been in a different movie that leads up to this movie. By the time you get to justice league, you should know who Cyborg is and yeah. and what his backstory entails. Well, the bigger thing with Cyborg is that he's here to just be the tech guy. Yeah, he's a tech guy because that's what he like that's what he can do. And uh a lot of this plot actually revolves around Star Labs. And if you don't know 
from the comics, what Star or even Injustice, I guess, what Star Labs is. Well, guess what? You you are missing an integral part of this film because there's it does lead a, do a lot of like exposition dump for um, Victor Stone and Cyborg's character, which we don't really know much about at all. Don't you also love too that his dad is Miles Davis? From, <laughs> yeah, from Terminator Two. Yeah, Ty- talk about typecasting. Yeah, right? but, yeah. <laughs> but but the bigger thing is also like not only is Cyborg doesn't really get much of a character, but he's also comes off a lo- for a lot of the time as just whiny. And that's not so much, that's not Ray Fisher's fault as Cyborg. Um, and it's not even like the film itself as a, a direction that's at fault. It's the fact that we don't get to see anything about Cyborg previously. So yeah, if you were blown up in an explosion and you lost most of your limbs and you had to be reborn as basically almost entirely cybernetic. And then, alien, yeah, as an alien little, computer because your dad used this and, alien technology and, called a mother box. Which, and, I, which, and you had the most da- like most dangerous knowledge too because you have a, a bunch of knowledge that you don't know how to process you'd be a little whiny too you you would be but the problem is is that the film does not go into cyborg's past at all it we really get passing mention of the fact that he was blown up and that his father that, that he was a save he, he was a college you know you know college football star but he's also incredibly intelligent yeah so it's like okay so we couldn't we couldn't have a film where you see him like like go to college, he's really smart, but he's also super athletic. And then you know something happens that turns him into cyborg. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm not saying so, like a cyborg film would be like the most exciting thing, but if if you're invested in this franchise, you'd at least be like, okay, I understand, you know, why they're making this film. Kind of like how I kind of assume with like the Marvel universe. When you think about it, it's like really a Doctor Strange and a Black Panther film. Yep. You know, they seem like an odd choice, but at the same time, you can kind of understand why. And again, least... and from what we've seen from the Marvel Cinematic Universe so far, it's like, really? Ant-Man got a fucking movie? But, you know. I could even see just with Black Panther, like, you want to give him sort of a backstory before he becomes a bigger part of more of, like, the the combination movies where you have multiple characters coming in. Now, and I don't know so much more about the Marvel as much as about the Marvel universe. So, I mean, I mean, look, Doctor Strange makes sense because he's uh, Sorcerer Supreme. He understands the mystic arts. So when all that comes to play, that makes sense. Black Panther, to me, you know, doesn't maybe... It only seems like they did it because he was in... You know, they introduced him in Civil War as being on Stark's side, yeah. you know, for re- yeah. registration. I still think that a cyborg film would work. You I'm not know? saying it wouldn't work, but I'm just saying because, at least for me, when I associate cyborg, I just think of you know Teen Titans, right? Which again, amazing show. Teen Titans was great. Yeah, I, I think I think it could work though, and I do think that this film needs it, especially too with like the Flash, where the one thing that's really strange about this is that they have a Flash TV show, so it is technically canonical. So why not just? pull from the flash tv show and that way at least when you have those critics who say like well i don't know anything about flash it's like well maybe you should have watched the tv show that also but that gets in also into i just kind of thought of it now because i was bitching about that but i just kind of thought of it. that gets into like the whole how we were talking about well, know anything about comics like, hey you want to know you know you got to pick up you know on that so it's like to know more you got to watch but in the sense though i mean it would be cool if they they did do that if they you know did tie in yeah. but if I, what I think the bigger issue here is because they don't, anybody who doesn't watch the Flash TV show, you have no knowledge about the Flash. You get a very limited picture of the Flash. Um, basically, Jewish boy 
moves fast. Jew, really, Jew, yeah, Jewish Spider-Man. Yeah, a very, uh, <laughs> very, very, like, piecemeal description of his power. And, like, a lot of it doesn't even really resonate because it there, it's not really a big pick port. A big point of this film is, like, Flash's power. He just can run really fast and sometimes he just saves people because he runs really fast. And that's that's really what he does in this film. If you know, if you like know the comics and like all that, you know it's like oh the Speed Force and but that's only mentioned like twice. Like oh I call it the speed. I tap and you know the Speed Force and but other than I, that, he's like he just comes across as like a Woody Woody uh, Woody Allen caricature and Spider Man. Like I, like like they like well we made him a teen. Why? Well people love that new fucking Spider Man. <laughs> you know yeah cracking wise and you know being in high having high school problems. You know. I think more so with, like, The Flash 2 is that the film doesn't really want to tap into the complexity of what happens in The Flash comics. Of, like, talking about Speed Force, talking about, like, that sort of meta and, and like, metaphysicalness to, like, the Speed Force and lightning and time. They don't want to get into all that. It's more so, like, well, he runs really fast. Just imagine them doing, like, a Flash a Flashpoint movie. Yeah, I know. What a, what a, you right. know, a Zack Snyder flash. It, like, it would, like, it like, would oh. get, I mean, even, even, um, Justice League, which we'll talk about in a second for storyline, even this is very convoluted for just a very simple plot. So, yeah, to have something like Flashpoint or like a long running, uh, storyline within the comic series, oh, or like Forever like Evil Blackest, or something. Like, like, or, do like yeah. Blackest Night or something. Ugh. You know, I can't, <laughs> I can't even imagine it because, it would just get so convoluted. But anyway. Um, and Aquaman. Aquaman probably gets the biggest shaft here. So Jason Momoa, though, I don't think he's terrible as an Aquaman. I'll, even though I really would say he that he doesn't look Cal- anything like Aquaman. Made him into California surfer dude. Yeah, like... like I, right, I, just, from, you know. from my experiences with Aquaman, he's nothing like an Aquaman whatsoever. And they try to make... Because Aquaman, I think, in... Uh, DC universe is kind of like a not well regarded character. He's more so like a oh, it's Aquaman. But he's one. Of, he is really strong though. Like he he's, re- yeah, he's really strong. But I feel like people are not really attracted to him for whatever reason. It's just like uh, it's, and it's Aquaman. You know, it's like, oh, okay. Because yeah. well, everyone's obsessed with Batman. Yeah, right? that's I, like yeah. But I, I even so like even Superman, people are like oh, you know people don't like Superman because he's a god essentially. I think they try to cool him up here with Jason Momoa. Because besides the fact that this guy can talk to fish and has the power to control water at s- certain points, he's not really much like Aqu- like the Aquaman that I've experienced. So I, I think they try to cool him up a little bit. He drinks whiskey. He's gruff. He doesn't like being, you know, he, <laughs> yeah. he doesn't like Atlantis and he doesn't like the world, but he, you know, saves people because he just, you know. Because yeah. he can. Because he's, like he's, cool. he's, he's afraid of his own emotions. Um, but I would say that like for him, he gets the least amount to do in this film. Not only is he often not on screen because the rest of the justice league is fighting, but Aquaman's like the guy who's like, I don't know if I want to join them or not. So I'm just going to sit out on the sidelines until they really need me. Um, so not only that, but he also doesn't really get any time in the water. So there's only a couple scenes where we actually see him interact with water. One scene where he goes down to Atlantis, and there's an underwater fight scene, and he meets with Mara. 
That looks terrible. That does not look promising for an Aquaman full-length film. Oh, apparently, I saw in an interview today that James Wan said the water will not look like that. Good. <laughs> but anyway, and also there's only one other scene where he interacts with water where he has to like control it to help uh, block it so that and the rest of the Justice League isn't washed away by a giant tidal wave. When they're in Star Labs fighting Steppenwolf. Yeah. And, and so I think that's that's just for this film seems really foolish to just even have Aquaman anyway, because really what's the point of having him then? He, he really, uh, some of the other characters, at least like cyborg has his place here because he works on the it side of things. Flash has his place because he can run really fast and save people. But Aquaman, like what if we replaced him with somebody else? Doesn't Green, matter. Green Lantern, Green Lantern, Marsh, really Martian Manhunter. But yeah, like it literally does not matter. Aquaman doesn't even need to be here. If you didn't have those two water scenes, you don't need Aquaman. Well, like I said, as I told you when you watched it, like he's literally Goemon from Lupin the Third. He's just there to like show up, ex machina, you know, some things, and then go away. Like Goemon's shtick is he shows up. Cut. Usually, if he's not with the group, he's just like I'm not. If he says he's not getting involved in the plot of whatever's going on that Lupin story, he just he'll show up when he's needed to to cut something with his you know his sword, the Zentetsu that can. You know, cut through anything. And he'll just be like, I cut something useless. And he fucks off. That's what Aquaman does in this movie, essentially. He's like, I'm not fucking enjoying, you know, you Batman. You're crazy. In front of like 300 people. Like, Bruce Wayne, you're Batman? Yeah. You know, I'm not joining you. Hell with this. And then what's he do? Water's going to drown them all? He, oh, thank God Aquaman showed up, you know, to stop the water. Yeah. But other than that, he yeah. just is like there's nothing else for him here. And I, yeah, well, I, that and to like surf on some of the parademons. Like, Calabunga, like, he's like like te- like I said, he's a surfer dude. He's like teenage me, like Calabunga, woo, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's fucking it's all, stupid. It's all very much a waste of his time, really. And he couldn't be just out boning Amber Heard as as Mara. So, um, I mean, you're right. I, I mean, I don't have a problem. That big of a problem with this being the original six for our Justice League of Cyborg, Flash, Aquaman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman. I don't either. I don't I, care. But I, but I do think it would be so much better to be like Green Lantern, like have, you know, Green Lantern or something like that. But I think kind of like they're staying away from Green Lantern because of the shitty Green Lantern movie. So they're like, mm-hmm. we'll touch upon him down the line. Right. Which, that, again, that does make sense in the way they're kind of framing the story because it's all going to build to the war with Apocalypse and Darkseid. So it makes sense, like, to have down the line, like they're doing with Marvel and Doctor Strange showing up later, you know, as Sorcerer Supreme to kind of deal with the mystic part, to have down the line, and the same thing with Guardians of the Galaxy too, like, down the line, we'll run into the Green Lantern Corps. Mm-hmm. You know, and because obviously... Yeah, but they're the Green least... Lantern Corps. They know what Apocalypse and all that shit is because they're the Guardians of the Galaxy. But you at least have to build them. They, they... No, I know. Yeah. They'd have to do a Green Lantern film and stuff, I'm saying. So I'm fine with Green Lantern you know, not being an original member of the Justice League because it makes sense in how they're building towards Darkseid in this. Which, again, that's another thing I'm glad that they did in this film, too, is that the first villain for the Justice League isn't Darkseid. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that in a little bit too. I don't know. Keep we're trying to keep to a particular uh, agenda. Well, so. you know what? When the film fucking sprawls all over the place, like we've seen <laughs> some of these, too. it's it's hard to stay focused. No, I agree. 
Because this film's not focused either. Um, but anyway, so uh, the main point there is that Flash, Aquaman, and Cyborg, um, while they're fine in this film and I don't have a problem with them being part of the Justice League, I definitely think that we're missing the backstory needed I think we should have at to least, bring them in. At least had a Flash and Aquaman film. I don't think Cyborg would need one. I think, and especially too, because I think with the way, like yeah, I said, no, like, I agree like, with I said that. like the way Cyborg, especially now, is associated with Teen Titans, it'd make more sense for him not to get a film, have him, like, his backstory be interspersed in the past films, because Flash makes sense. We've already met in Suicide Squad Captain Boomerang. Mm-hmm. That's a Flash villain, or, you know, so you Yeah, could... and I agree with that too, because I think in here, there would at least be reason to recruit Cyborg in the film. Rather than having Flash and Aquaman mm-hmm. already be kind of pulled into the Justice League. Here, it makes sense because they have to kind of... Cyborg's included because they have to, They need his expertise, really. And his connection and, to and the his mother conne- Yeah, exactly. And, 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 and so that makes sense. And, like, they could have pulled him in but already had Flash and Aquaman waiting in the wings to come in to, to actually that Bruce are Like, we've already seen, like, Bruce already knows who they are, what you know, what they do. Because they already have a backstory. Because as this, the, this film says, like... Batman's been Batman for 20 years. Like, Mike, wow, you're sitting on stories that could be told. And that's where I like, was telling you, like, that gives me the great idea. Like, they should do a Batman anthology movie. Make the next Batman film, especially because the way this universe is set up. Don't have him fight, like, a, and what's progressing within the franchise. It wouldn't make sense for Batman to have some kind of villain to do. Make it be an anthology movie about, you know, his, how Bruce became Bruce. Yeah, I like and like and the things that he's had his encounters like Joker, Penguin, Two Face. Make a two-hour film and make an anthology of it. I like that idea too because like that's what Batman annuals are. You know when they have the annual issues of the yeah. of the series, and that's what they do. They do like an anthology, and a lot of times it works because it's a truncated story. I mean, now we're working on so many Batman stories that it is hard to find like a long-running serial of a Batman story that. Hasn't been done before. And not only that, way. not only that too. If you do, if you did an anthology film, you wouldn't have to use like blow your load and do like mm-hmm. a bunch of big villains. Yeah. You could do like a twenty, like a thirty, just, a thirty minute story of him like fighting the ventriloquist, like, right. or, or like the or Mad just, Hat, or the, just like Scarecrow, or so like or one ma- one in, in, in encounter with Scarecrow or something like that, or the Mad Hat, or like like yeah. like a like a B list a B list villain because mm-hmm. Batman does have the best Rogues Gallery out of all, even though, like his B list villains are really cool and unique. You know, so it'd be cool, like, like... Yeah, no, I I think that's... Because it's not like they're ever going to really probably ever do a Batman movie where you see him fighting Clayface. Yeah. So... I think it's a good idea. But, uh, mo- alright, so moving on from, from those those three characters that join up as Justice League characters, but don't really get, you know, their own films to, to go off of. Which they need. <laughs> which they need. Um, What did you think of the storyline? Because, really, I think one of the biggest things with this film is that... Steppenwolf, uh, I would argue a less, very lesser known villain, riding on a magic carpet. <laughs> yep, <laughs> is uh, is the the main I'm gonna, villain. I'm for gonna this. call him Lord Shinnok. Yeah, they totally ripped his design from Mortal Kombat 10's Shinnok design. His horns, he literally looks like he's Shinnok from MK10, and which I'm in a sense I'm fine with because Warner Brothers also owns Mortal Kombat now. You know, NetherRealm Studios is owned by Warner Brothers, so mm-hmm. it's fine for them to rip from that. But still, it's like when you look at like Stephen Wolf's, you know, design in the comics, it doesn't look like that. I mean, he does Not have re- like the like the 
horns, but it looks more like a helmet, not like a. Yeah. In here, he kind of looks like a. He's a like fa- a like a fallen Lucifer-in goat. Yeah, like a fallen elder guy. He looks like yeah. sh- sh- like Shinnok. Like I ruled the Nether Realm, and I've been waiting forever to conquer Earth Realm from you, pet you know, meddling kids. Yeah, I would say that I, I think Steppenwolf's an odd choice just because he's very, he's not very well known, for one thing. But it, I mean, I think it makes sense in this fact that we're building up to Darkseid in the in Apocalypse uh, because he is kind of like one of those characters from that storyline. Story but at the same time, um, it's an odd choice for a main bad for this film, I think. It's, it's not really something that, especially with something like Justice League where... You're kind of expecting it to go a little bit bigger than even your normal, like, you know. Yeah, uh, but who would they do? Grodd? I don't know. I mean, I, as much as I would love to see a Justice League movie where they're fighting Gorilla Grodd, you know, it's... it's. I don't know. I mean... I don't think they'd have the balls to do that. I just don't think that, like, after seeing this film and seeing the MacGuffin of the Mother Boxes, having to track down all three of the Mother Boxes for no other, really reason than to just join them together into the unity that doesn't ever come about which which we'll talk but but i think other than that there's not i would say that steppenwolf adds very little stakes to this film he doesn't really seem like uh he's not a memorable bad guy he's he doesn't have a good design. I'm sorry, but I really think that the design for Steppenwolf is terrible. It's all CGI because um uh, CR in uh CR in um Heinz is only credited with the voice of Steppenwolf. So it's it's all a CGI display and it's really not good. I What else I, has he been in? I'm not sure. Which kind of kind of shows how uh what they kind of think of uh you know, the, that role itself, if they kind of went with someone like that, people are kind of like, oh, you know. Yeah, I mean, I just think that, like, Steppenwolf is an odd choice. Like, no one, not very many people know about him. Um, and I would argue that he doesn't bring much tension to the film. Because he just seems like a very generic bad guy who seems unstoppable until they figure out what to do with him. It's, it's, there's nothing about how they stop him either. That really screams like Justice League had to work together on this one. Well, that's yeah. Well, you know, you're right because once Superman shows up, he just beats the living shit out of him. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> which, which, if again, if that 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 whole part of him, like at the end, like they're struggling to fight uh, Stephen Wolf, you know, because Cyborg's trying to figure a way. He's the one that's got to separate the mother boxes from joining because he's got the technology and he knows what to do. And they're struggling, like, Wonder Woman's putting up a good fight against Steppenwolf, but she's not necessarily strong enough. But as soon as Superman shows up, he beats the living shit out of him. And if you're not a Superman fan, like he's just, because he's God. Because Super, Superman can fucking do anything. Then this is not, you're not going to like this movie. Because what does Superman do? Shows up and beats the, like, no, no struggles whatsoever, you know, whatsoever. Right, be, besides the Justice League being able to raise Superman from the dead, it's basically like ju- Superman saying, like, well, thanks guys for being there, but I've got it, I'll take it from here. And he, like, literally, he does everything else. And the Justice League almost, it, like I said, with the Justice League, you should feel like everything that they're doing is kind of a, a means to an end. Like, they're all putting in their own help and to now, figure out how to beat Steppenwolf. And, and, not it's only not, the, and not only that, the reason why Steppenwolf comes back is stupid. After um, 
Superman dies, he says the fear in mankind is you know he has brought him back, like they've lost hope now. There were thirty years where Superman wasn't on Earth. What the fuck were you doing then? Yeah, and, and you know, yeah, during those Cold War years, where like you know they had a doomsday clock and they're counting down, you know, to you know that wasn't the time for you to come back. Oh no, now that Superman's dead, people are all sad. Now that's the time for you to come. It's it's very. Very um, what's the word? Willy nilly. Will no, not it's it's a more uh, fanciful term. Uh, Arbitrary. Or, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's very his. The reason for him coming back is totally arbitrary. Not only that, but the mother boxes themselves are very arbitrary. Because when we find out they're like ones on Hippolyta. Yeah, I mean, uh, not Hippolyta on um, Thermopylae, and you know, Hippolyta's got you know her. Amazonians guarding them. Why the fuck didn't we see that in Wonder Woman? Exactly. Where we, see, where, where we see in all the Marvel films, like, hey, you know, there's the Tesseract, cute, like, every, like, you know, like, every, you know, so it's like, follow the bouncing ball. Like, these things are important. Right. They're going to come back. Like, at the end of Thor Ragnarok, when Loki walks into, you know, Odin's vault and looks at, you know, Tesseract, yeah. you know, that's going to come into play. Yeah. That... So why the fuck, you know? And again, that would make more sense too to have an Aquaman film before this, because the Atlanteans have one. So even if you so, just got so a then glimpse you, of it, yeah. So then, like you know, like so you know that they have one, and then in this film could be the one where you show where man's kept it, and if you find out, oh, Star Labs had, you know, and again, that's another way to build Star Labs and the like, build them up in the other films too, like. The shit that Star Labs is doing instead of just like, oh, Star Labs is in the film now, and also they've been working on the Mother Box, and they've also been studying, you know, Zod's ship the entire time. Yeah, it, it's that's it's, it's it's all like you kind of, like if you don't if you don't know the comics, you got to sit there and like you know, you have to make all the you know. Yeah, you have to make the a connections lot, yourself. A yeah. lot of detective work. Yeah, because if you didn't know what Steppenwolf was and you didn't know what the mother boxes were, you probably haven't read the comics from Jack Kirby, and you didn't really do any research before you went into Justice League. And but so, to be fair, should you do like if no, you, you should you shouldn't you, do any research to go into it, especially if it's doing what they want it to do, which is not have all the baggage of needing to go back and read all of the comics. Obviously, it should reward people who have done it before, but there shouldn't be any necessity to doing that. And I think you're trying to fails. lure again because again these films aren't meant for comic book fans; they're meant for everybody. And this fails. Warner Brothers wants to make a shit ton of money. Yeah, they they, they, they they're not looking for just diehards. The, the storyline just does not do. I would say the original Jack Kirby stuff justice because, like I said, Steppenwolf is not a very entertaining villain. He's he's very generic bad guy. Bitching about mother and how he's going to you know strike fear into the hearts of all. He's just evil. Yeah, no, you, just, you just need mermaid. There's, you just need mermaid man from SpongeBob. Like evil. I mean, if you think about why you like the rogues galleries from the like from the comics and and these characters, it's because they all have their own like weird quirks and their and their um their characters and gimmicks and steppenwolf literally has like if you replace steppenwolf in here with like the marvel villains it wouldn't have made a difference like it's so you would i was thinking like like enchantress yeah yeah (laughs) yeah it wouldn't have made a difference because they they all have the same thing in common is just that they they want to end the world in some way and and it's very generic and there's not much to it and i would say like the mother box storyline and the steppenwolf I, i found it very boring to me um 
It's Even a good enough reason for the Justice League to form. To an, assemble. An sure. alien invasion. But the fact that, you know, you're right. It's so... I mean, I think it, I think it could work. Like, you don't necessarily ha- have to have Steppenwolf be interesting. But like I said, the fact that we didn't have previous films to show what the mother boxes are, what they do, and that, like, you know, Aquaman, Flash... Cyborg's backstories and all that, you know, all if they did all that, then I'd be more fine with okay, it makes sense. Because then, like, you would get like an end credit scene, like Dark Side's like sending like now like like at the end of end of Batman v Superman, like se- like he's sending you know Stephen Wolf to go right, and attack. Right, Earth. yeah. The end, you would get something like that. Yeah. I th- now here it's just it's because they they didn't give any they didn't plan it out enough and think it through enough. It's all just jumbled together. So yeah. that's why things are have to be. Ex- expository dumped for you to, like, try to make the, the universe seem fleshed out. That's why we have to hear, well, I've been Batman for 20 years. And it's not like, you know, fighting them exploding penguins now, is it? Like, <laughs> it's like, show, not tell. Yeah, and I think, like, um, with Steppenwolf 2, you just have, like, a lot of stuff happening. Like, they're just parademons now, just because. you know. I thought at first when... That pa- first parademon show, I'm like, is this supposed to be Killer Moth? Well, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Doesn't it like kind of look like Killer Moth in, in some ways? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I just really didn't. And even Steppenwolf's presence is not like, it's not really felt a lot of the time. It, it, he just shows up conveniently sometimes when there's a mother box, you know. And and then you you get an you get the early sense that he's kind of a bad guy, like when he's killing a bunch of people. Those damn Amazonians. Yeah, the Amazonians, and he, you know, he goes to Atlantis and stuff like that. But you don't. Re- I wouldn't say that you ever really feel like he's a f- too big of a force for them to handle. Which, by the way, I think they spent more time showing the Amazonian battle um, because we've had a Wonder Woman film. I think the reason why he's in, yeah. uh, he's in Atlantis for five seconds is haven't had that Aquaman <laughs> right, film yet. Exactly. Yeah. So we don't know exactly what it should look like. Yep, I agree. <laughs> and they do spend a lot of time with the Amazonians rather than, you know. And with that said, too, I I like that scene. I thought it was probably one of the better scenes in this film of, you know, like a war scene and trying to figure out. And that, that is partially, like you said, because we've already gotten Wonder Woman, so it's kind of been established. It was done previously. Um, but it's kind of funny too, that like they do all of that work and it's like for nothing, it's, like just totally for nothing. Um, all of those cool moves, like fucking lassoing the box no, and, and like, throwing it to a... another woman. And then they shoot an arrow at over a horseback. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's like, and then, oh, and then the Amazon dies because a horse fell on her. That also made me laugh. It was just like, <laughs> really? Really? They did all this shit? And then a horse falls on her? And she's like, I can't make it. It's like, the fucking horse is, like... You should be able to lift it up with, like, yeah, a pinky. exactly. Yeah. 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 No, that's I've seen online people are bitching about the Amazonians' outfits in this film. Why? Aren't they pretty much the same as what they I don't see that. I don't remember. And, because I didn't care. What, I, you know... Yeah, uh, yeah, that whole fight scene looks like 300. What did you expect? Who is the... Oh, I'm sorry. Who is directing this film right, again? Right, yeah. That's not a Joss Whedon part. Sorry. No, no. You know? <laughs> no, it's not. No. Um, all right, so, yeah, anything else that you want to add about the storyline, though? Because I feel like, besides, you know, Steppenwolf is really a minor part of this film in comparison to raising Superman from the dead, right? Because while I wouldn't... Well, I would argue that they re- 
they should really feel the need to raise Superman from the dead because we don't really get that sense that like Steppenwolf is so hard to beat that they have to bring Superman in. See, now that I think about it too. This is why they should have probably saved like, like maybe Doomsday for this film. It would make more sense. It was like, we need Superman. Yeah. Right? In this film, in like, Ste- you, did, like you, didn't, you, you didn't need Batman, Batman v Superman. The whole, the whole premise in enjoyment in Batman v Superman is supposed to be it's Batman fucking versus Superman. Yeah. Ding, ding, you know, ding, ding, let's, let's go. And you can have Luther meddling in the background. You don't need him rising dooms, you know, creating yeah. doomsday. Yeah, I, I feel like, you know, doomsday would have been better because it would have made sense why Superman need to be there. And in this, you just don't get that impetus, like, Superman has to help out. Because Wonder Woman is practically invincible, too. Like, why, why can't Wonder Woman just do what super, Superman does? Because she's a woman. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, in general... It just seems weird that they had to have Superman back for Steppenwolf, of all villains. But that leads us to actually talking about Superman coming back, because for the most part, he's he's absent from Justice League, which makes sense, because he's dead. But the one thing that does bring him back is love. <laughs> it's amazing, right? They should have played uh, They should have played Huey Lewis in the news as power love. of love. Or... Love will we'll keep us together. Catman and Tennille. Yeah. No, but... So, th- that's the funny thing about this film, too, is that the the mother box can raise Superman from the dead, so that we do that. But Superman comes back, and he's not right. He's not right in the head. He just thinks everybody's a threat. He's like a robot that's gone into, like, security it, it, mode. It reminds me of Iron Giant, where, you know... Where, oh, yeah, the gets, Iron Giant comes... Yeah. When he gets the dent knocked out of his head, and he goes back to his original state of being, you know, a weapon and fucking destroying everything. Yeah, that's, that's Superman in this. Yeah. And the only thing that brings Superman back is the big guns, it's which bo- is Lois Lane. Lois seeing Lane, Lois Lane's boobies. boobies for a little bit, <laughs> saying, like, oh, yeah... There's other things in this world besides just shooting people with my laser eyes. He's got x-ray vision and he can see right through that shirt that Lois Lane's wearing. <laughs> Which, by the way, how dare she get third billing on this movie? She's in it for five minutes. One scene talking to Martha. Joking about how thirsty she is. Yeah. And writing, I'm just writing fluff pieces now and it's okay, you know. Yeah. You know. And then she, yeah. She's not even in the... What? Like, so, oh, I, I, I that hate that made you mad in itself. Yeah, no, that pisses me off. Yeah. But anyway, but that's... I, I think that this is up there. This scene is up there with, like, the Batman v Superman. Both are Martha's. Both mother's names are Martha. Because the whole thing is really dumb, right? Like, why, out of all things... Is Superman just put right back to normal because he sees Lois Lane? It's just a dumb maneuver. They don't. Well, they don't explain why he's it, acting the way he is. Is it because of the mother box? Did they corrupt him in some way? Yeah. Is he just pissed off and he's finally allowed to like? Yeah, he, I'm gonna beat the shit out of Bruce Wayne. Is you he know? just mad at Batman? Yeah. Which by the which that scene's all ruined too. Like I'm gonna make you bleed. You know, Superman says to Bruce, and then after you know he you know gets in the fight with Bruce and. The rest of the Justice League, and then he walks up, you know, flies off with Lois because he's like, "Oh, yeah, I remember sexy bath time from Batman v Superman." You got Ben Affleck lying on the ground like a jackass, going, "Ah, I'm bleeding." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know? yep. yep, yep. 
So that's <laughs> that's another thing too, is that you we talk about how this film does have a like a flawed direction, and part of that is at the beginning of the film when we meet all of the other parts of the Justice League because this film has to juggle all of the characters solo before it brings them in as the as part of the Justice League. Arguably, not a very good job of juggling them, but it's also very tone deaf in the way that it melds Joss Whedon's work with Zack Snyder's, which he's not credited. He's not credited as director, but we all he is but, credited as co-writer. But we all know from the stories that they brought him in to reshoot and. And add to, to add levity. And it is not seamless. No, it's not. It, it is very apparent where Snyder ends and Whedon begins. Because... And I, and, I don't, and I won't blame that on him. No, absolutely he, not. Because he's working because with he's, a piece of crap and trying to, uh, you know, untarnish it as much as possible. But not only that, but not only that like, he, I'm sure when he got brought in, Warner Brothers was like, You do that Avengers shit. You you know you do what made you famous, guy. Exactly. And he's exactly. probably like like like, or we'll bring somebody else in. So he's probably like, you know he's right. I I'm sure that there was the implication that you just inject the humor wherever you can, and he was probably like, I can see him saying like, I don't think this fits in with like the rest of the scene. It's like too bad, you know that like a, make it work. A production cr- note was like just put it in. You know they had they had Tim Gunn on set from you know the his like you know, those Bravo runways like make it work make, it, make work. it work just like make it work like I can't yeah. I, I can't do this like it doesn't make sense why would Batman this scene you know be like he's like make it work I I <laughs> you can totally see that because this um, film's tone deaf yeah it is it's it's like very very serious scene and then Batman's like yep something's bleeding and it's not and it's not even in like a way that's like oh like that you know. Like a deadpan, like you know, it's dead serious, but then like a deadpan style delivery that would make the humor work. It's totally like we're all gonna die. Then all of a sudden, Barry Allen's like, "I gotta eat a lot of pizza." <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, it's right, like, right, yeah. It's like, mm. yeah. I th- I definitely think that this this is not and I was Joss su- Whedon's fault. And I was surprised when we were in the theater too. The amount of laughs, chuckling, guffaws. Chortles. They're just a bunch of chuckleheads. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, in, I, I, I like Whedon's work, and I like you know his style of kind of sarcastic and wry deliveries. Often, I love Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and I, so do I. You know, he has he does write that style well, but when it's compared to Zack Snyder's style, and you try to mash them together, it's inevitably going to fail because. You have that really very they're two opposite tones that's just not you no matter what you do, because you couldn't reshoot the entire thing or like do the script over. Could you imagine you just, what, it'd be like a billion dollar film if they reshot this right. thing. And you just don't have that leeway to be like, Well, you know, let's roll this joke from something semi serious into something very com- you know, comic. And so I don't blame Joss Whedon for this. I do think it was a production thing that was like, just do what you, just put something funny there. Put something funny there. And he did what he could. Like they did with Suicide Squad. Exactly. Like, they're like, this is, this film's like, you know, because like this film's supposed to be funnier, David. It's supposed to be jovial. What's going on? They, you know, made him go back and reshoot, you know. My favorite thing though, about when people criticize the way that that 
like Suicide Squad ends up or the way that Justice League has ended up is that they feel like we're criticizing um, that it doesn't have enough humor in it or then now that it does have too much humor. That's not the point. The point is that in Justice League, they took a very non-humorous script and had to try to infuse humor into it. It doesn't work. Or they took Suicide Squad and they had to reshoot it so much that it fucking became a jumbled mess of nothing. And it's not because it was too comedic. It was because it just didn't make, it didn't go together. It didn't flow. And that's what happens when you try to take reshoots and just stuff them into a film. They don't, it's like taking two different puzzle pieces and be like, these are going to fit. These are going to fit. Like it's not fucking fitting. And that's the thing with this film. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's egregious. Like it's not, it's not as, it's yeah, not, it's not as bad as the last two films it's not no but it's it's still this film's like i said totally tone deaf like why is like god bless this film we're both big jk simmons fans why is he gordon in this well it's and it's like such i think you mean not so much as why is jk simmons gordon but why is gordon necessary in this for one thing because we haven't seen two minutes. I know, and we didn't see him in Batman v Superman or anything. It was I, he just there because so Barry Allen could be like, "Oh wow, that's your single." I mean, Batman's single. Shit, I can't say it. Ha <laughs> ha, you know. Yeah, and I, I mean, and, I, and probably, um, getting ready for the Batman, which is apparently in like post production and does have J.K. Simmons in it. As Gordon. I mean, I'm fine with him. I think he could do a good one. He, I don't. Like, they should have just left him bald for God's. He doesn't need the toupee. Looks silly. He looks absolutely <laughs> ridiculous with that. He does. It's like yeah, like, yeah he kind of looks like a guy who who was thinking like you know when the the emo craze began and he was like I don't have much hair so like what if I just start trying to like pull it out as much as possible and, like do a like forehead swoop. Do you think Dean cool. Dean Koontz was gonna give him hair plug? Uh, yeah, right. You know, no, I or... I agree. I mean, we, like we we have the films haven't been particularly, um, uh, like consistent with how they match with the comics. Like, um, Deadshot, Will Smith is black in in Suicide Squad. Is... He's white in in the comics. That's that's fine. I don't care that they change the character. So I don't care that Gordon in in this film would have has no, no hair. Yeah, it, like it doesn't it doesn't bother me. But I mean, like, like you said, I, I, like, I think he could, you know, do a good job. I mean, but when you just, like, watch this film, like, his appearance in it, does, you know, is unnecessary. And then how they use, utilize them is, and, like, how Batman interacts with them, it's like, it's, tone, it's, like, totally tone deaf. And that's where I get, you know, we get back to the whole point where they, like, reference, like, he's been Batman for 20 years. You know, and like, oh, when he, like, we see the bruise on Batman's back, and he's like, you know, Wonder Woman's like, you can't do this forever, and he's like, I can't do this now. Like, that would be, like, again, it would be great to see an anthology film of, like, what, how, like, how he, like, Batman's becoming, like, because they do have the Dark Knight Batman, which we both don't like. I have, I I I hate, I hate Frank Miller's Dark Knight Bat, like, you know, Batsuit design. It looks like fucking trash. At least, especially in this film, yeah. Even in the comic, I don't like mm. it. I think I think the whole I hate the giant bat logo. I think it looks fucking tacky as shit. However, that being said, if that's the kind of the direction they're going for, because again, Zack Snyder has worked with Frank Miller with like you know like the Sin City style right. and stuff like that. You know, if they, if they did want to do a Dark Knight film down the road, it would make sense. You know, 
from the way the perspective of this is because it's an mm. older Batman. But it's like we haven't seen any of that. We have we don't know any, you know. Yeah, and it's unfortunate too with J.K. Simmons being um, Gordon because, like, in general, Batman and Gordon have a fun rapport. Like they they are they clash because obviously B- Batman is a vigilante and Gordon is the um, police officer. Yeah, like the structured police presence. So they clash. But they do have a fun rapport. They should, even, even, they should, especially now that it's been 20 fucking years. <laughs> yeah, even though Bruce Wayne te- and Batman tend to be serious even in, you know, their moments, they still have a rapport. And so none of that comes out, especially in Justice League well, they when tr- we first... They, well, they try when, like, because yeah, you see J.K. Well, they try in, this, in, the, in the one line where J.K. Simmons is like, I thought you didn't pl- play nice with others. And Batman's like, I am now. And then Aquaman shows up like, Batsuit. I dig it. And he's like, for now. Right. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's, 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 it, they, they're trying. It's like, so it's like, is that supposed to be a subtle hint how Batman's technically, you know, in the comics isn't technically a member of the Justice League. He's, right. you know, he helps when, cause yeah, and that's another stark contrast too. One thing I don't like is after Batman v Superman in this film, Batman's like, we got to have Superman. He, he, the world needs Superman. We're in, the, you know, in the comics and in the Justice League cartoon, Batman understands Superman's value and how he could defeat things, but he know he has a con- contingency plan. In this film, his plan, his contingency plan is Lois Lane. And the comics and the TV show is, and like in Justice, is he has kryptonite weapons that to kill Clark. Every member of the Justice League, and even in the cartoon, they he, he like they when they find out like he has contingency plans for Superman. He's like, I have a contingency plan for all of you. If you ever go rogue, if Green Lantern, you ever go rogue, Hawk Girl, if you ever go rogue, I have a contingency plan to stop you. Mm-hmm. You know, and that pisses them all off, and that's why he's an associate member. And they're like, well, it's your plan for, you know, if you ever go rogue, Bruce. And he's like, it's you guys. That's why you're formed. And but, it, it, but, I, but, like I'm saying, but what I'm saying is, like, you don't get that sense in, like, this film. Any of that kind of, you know, building to that. Yeah. And I don't think down the line they'll really... Do a good, you know, good job of that either. And I don't think too. I think it, it, they make Batman in this film to be like the weakest for sure. Because he's that superhuman, right? He's I just, mean, he's but, got a tarantula tank. But but I mean, I think for they definitely make him to be the weakest. And I don't know if it's a good thing. I mean, you don't want him to see like in this. I feel like he seems super weak. Like he's barely doing anything. He's like, well, I can shoot my bat, my batarang. He can only use a rifle. Yeah, he, I, I, a rifle. I, I Other than that, he's getting, the... his, he's getting his ass kicked. Yeah, yeah. It's not a it's not a good look for Batman for sure. It's like he's out of out of uh, his league in this. Not only like that, like the like the Flash's excuse too for not fighting until the end is like, oh, I never fought. I just trip people. It's like you move at soup, you know, s- the speed of light. What do you mean you can't while you're running around punch somebody? Well, I do like the fact that if you, know, you if you're running that fast and you punch somebody, it's gonna you know do like you know. I do like yeah, I do like the fact that he only overcomes that because he actually gets in a fight with Superman who can match his speed pretty much. So he's like, oh shit, you know. And so the, after that, it's like, what kind of threat is there if any nobody else can match your speed? Like, I guess you're okay. You know, you'll be okay by just throwing a punch and then running away. But um, we gotta move on a little bit. Um, one of the other things that I have written on. Is Wonder Woman as cool as other reviewers say she is? No. Because apparently everybody thinks that Wonder Woman and Gal Gadot is a highlight 
in Justice League? I mean, she is a highlight because she sticks to her character from uh, yeah. I think from the, the film. I think the biggest thing is that they're seeing her as a consistent character from Wonder Woman to to, to Justice League, and that makes sense. And I guess in that sense, yes, that's great. But that also showcases the failure on the other side of what Justice League does. Is first of all, they made Batman a fucking annoying character. Because of Batman v Superman, so that's not good. Um, Superman's very rarely in this anyway, so he doesn't really get a chance. And then Flash, Cyborg, and Aquaman—we don't really know. So it does. It shows more so that there's a lot of flaws rather than that. <laughs> Wonder Woman is the just the fact highlight. that just the fact that there's some consistency. It's like yes, we, right, we exactly, got something. Exactly. Yeah, they they stuck to something. And and it's I also like they, think they, they they went on the sea destroyer like you know with like Bush going we got him and you know mission accomplished you know banners dropping after three months in Iraq <laughs> that's what they're doing I just, yeah I think I think that more so just stems from the fact that like first of all Wonder Woman was fairly successful for a DC film so translating it to Justice League also works and I think that's that's it that's it I mean. I would say that, like, I don't say, I don't think, I'm not saying I think Gal Gadot's bad, or that I think Wonder Woman's bad, although I do think she, Wonder Woman is a little bit annoying in this film, because it doesn't really make sense that she would not be open to trying to get Superman back. I think that's kind not, of a weird... Well, not only that, and, like, for a hundred years after helping stop, you know, Rocky and Bullwinkle's arch nemesis is in Wonder Woman, you know, she's like, I haven't done anything since... Yeah. You know, which that is a good point that Bruce brings up. He's like, you know, like, he's like, don't give me your shit, Diana, you know, about, you know, being counterintuitive. It, you haven't, what have you done the past hundred years? You're just on, you're on the same level as, you know, Clark. And you're what doing, have you done? You're You've doing done nothing. Art restoration. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and wearing <laughs> skin tight white dresses and uh, strappy, uh, low cut. But her hair's pulled back. So that, yeah. that's how you know she's a ice cold cunt. <laughs> <laughs> um joke people yeah yeah <laughs> i felt the room go cold no um yeah but i i just think that like they're we're being a little too lenient on wonder woman here as a uh, her costume looks good yeah i mean it's fine it's, it's yeah. i'm just saying because i don't like because we i don't like supermans I don't mm. like Batman's. I don't like Batman's. I don't, I don't like, like Flash's. The Flash's is terrible. And I think Cyborg's is bad, but that makes sense because he's CGI? still <laughs> well, no, but it's because he's still kind of new too. Like he's newly designed, so at the end we do see his new full full yeah. full form. But um, so that makes sense a little bit. And then Steppenwolf, bad design. Parademons. Mm. Eh. They don't. Yeah, they yeah, look. Yeah, they're all right. Like Power Rangers. I mean, crunch. they're basically like CGI anyway. So. But I mean, I mean, look. I think she does a fine job. Like, like I said, like it's. I don't think it's anything. Oh my god! Like you'll be blown if you watch this movie. You'll be blown away by Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman. Right? You'll be yeah. like, oh, okay, yeah, no. Yeah, I mean, she did a great. She did a good job, and and I, I would. That's it. I mean, and I would say the same thing. I'm not saying like that's a slight on Gal Gadot, but I'm. I, I would say the same thing for Ben Affleck. Like in this film, as Batman. I would say he's fine. He's he's he's, he's a step down from Batman. Yeah, I don't think I, I this film like again, like I think I do think Ben Affleck could if he was given the right material, the right direction and like the right, you know, like, if they would just let him write his own goddamn Batman movie, 
He could be, uh, you know, look, if you put him, like, in the Nolanverse, I think he'd be, he could do just as good of a job, if not better than Christian Bale. I think, you know, that he would be perfect for that. And kind of that tone. Um, I don't think this iteration of the DCU fits, you know, what he's doing. And the fact that, especially in this film, like, he's part Kraken Wise and part, you know. Yeah. And it's not like good Kraken Wise. He gets his ass beat, like, I'm bleeding. Or like, <laughs> what's your superpower? Then, like, you know, the pause, like, I'm rich. Yeah. Which, again, it's like, you know, like, yeah, that was done for the trailer. That that line was specifically written in there for, like, we need a trailer. We need a line for the trailer. Something that's going to hook the viewer in, like, yeah. Yeah. Be like, yeah, he is rich. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Um, Goddamn billionaire! Yeah. All right, let's talk about CGI. Um, as we have said before with DC films, DC tends to have bad CGI, and it doesn't get better with Justice League. Looks like a PlayStation Two game. Yeah. Where did your three hundred million dollar budget go? I think one of the big things, and I, and so I wouldn't even say though that this is this is the problem though, is that like. So Justice League is not grounded in reality. It is very fantastical. It does have a lot of elements that need to be CGI'd. However, so does Thor Ragnarok. And Thor Ragnarok looks, for the most part, pretty good with CGI. Whereas, compare that to Justice League, and the CGI in Justice League does look like video game graphics that just didn't turn out very well. It, it A lot of the time, when you're watching a scene, it's fucking CGI'd. Like, the entire thing is CGI'd. The, the Gotham back, background, oh, CGI. Um, the one scene where, like, they're standing on, like, a beach or something, I can't remember. Not on, um, on Thermopylae, but, like, there's, like, one scene, I remember, they're, like, standing, like, in, like, the woods or something, and it's, like, CGI, it's, like, you, you couldn't shoot that on location? Oh, when Wonder Woman and Bruce Wayne meet, uh, like, in the park area? Is yeah. That, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think even, like, when they go to, like, Clark, you know, the Kent house in Kansas. Oh, God, like, yeah, yeah. CGI. Yeah, yeah. It's like you couldn't fucking, like... Actually have a location for that? Yeah, you had to CGI that? Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? Come on. I mean, and then you even have... you know, Are, like there, a, is, are there... Is the animation, like, like computer graphics guilt, like, union in Hollywood that strong? Or, no, you know, you gotta fill this many jobs on this film. Right, and even, like, what I said, like, Steppenwolf, CGI! Not even necessary CGI. Steppenwolf could easily just have been a guy, in a, a guy in a costume. It's not even necessary to have him be completely CGI. It's just stupid. So you have all of that, and it's just very much... I, I would say it's just not good. It just doesn't look good. You have the final battle scene that, again, takes place in a... First fiery... Of all, yeah, a fiery uh, brimstone landscape, otherwise known as Russia. <laughs> Uh, but no, seriously though, again, like with that stuff, why again, how have they not heard the criticism? Literally everybody says it after every, every superhero movie. Now everything takes place in a goddamn dark and dingy fire scape, which is one of the nice things about Thor Ragnarok. It was a sunny fight scene on a bridge over water. Yeah. (laughs) It's just like, why, why did they not take that into consideration and like, be like, Maybe we shouldn't do a fiery scene at the end of the film where it looks apocalyptic. You know, maybe we could do something a little bit more colorful for that. It just... Why? Speaking speaking of Russia, why were those... Like, why did we have to have, like, that... Oh, that, you know, whimsical story of 
those Russian saving, Russian, the Russian saving just like one Russian family who is apparently the only Russian family that lives in that area. Besides no, no, a, there were others besides a apartment complex that Superman saves. Yeah, which that is that is actually fun. I did like I, I did think that was actually right. funny. Of like the Flash saves like that one a family car, and their truck, and their truck, and then you see Superman flying with carrying an apartment building full of families. That is that is funny because that's yeah. something like you know like okay, you know, but I mean still like like so it's like. It's again. It's like that's that's a Zack that's a Zack Snyder one hundred and one trope to ha- like interject like an emotional side note that's not even like emotional. It's like I don't give a shit about like this. Oh, just because there's kids there, I don't fucking care. Yeah, so, so sorry. Yeah, <laughs> it, you know it is. It does sorry. seem very superficial because that's it's almost like a trope for Superman to be like. Like whip his head around and be like, Civ- civilians. I know, yeah, no, like yeah, the mother yeah. boxes are about to unite and like lead apocalypse into invading. You know, yeah. Earth. What, and they're like, oh, civilians. He just flies off. <laughs> yeah, Superman just flies off. It's like a trope, and it's not even a good one. It's just a stupid, like, way to um, extend the fight scene with Steppenwolf and millions, apparently, of uh, of uh, parademons. And it's just, it just is, yeah, no. That, the whole, that whole Russian aspect of it is really weird and, and unnecessary. It could have taken... It didn't need to take place in Russia. It didn't need to take place with any civilian. I don't know. Just... I don't Because who cares if the unity unites in Russia or in any other area? A barren landscape in the desert. The result is still the same. You fucking brought in Apocalypse and... Now the world is doomed. It doesn't matter if it happened and that truckload of people are there. Um, all right. How about the Danny Elfman score, which Danny Elfman scores the full thing. And he tries to incorporate like a lot of different types of scores to kind of match with the rest, like the justice league. I'll say it doesn't sound like a Danny Elfman score. It, yeah, I think for the most part, it's a very bland score. It's not like when we saw Thor Ragnarok, we're like, yep, that's Mark Mothersbaugh, dithering away on, you know, yeah, on unique synths and in- in- instruments. I would say for the most part, like, this Danny Elfman score is just, like, it's it's one of those superhero films where you you constantly have a score. Like, you have one of those, like, low-running, like, and it doesn't really jump out at you. The only thing that really does jump out at you is the Batman throwback theme. Which you get from the the Tim Burton Batman film, and you, it's noticeable. But other than that, and and the Wonder Woman score that they bring back from the actual Wonder Woman film, uh, you know the um. But other than that, I would say like this is a very non-imposing score, and for something with Danny Elfman, yeah, I would I would agree that it's, it's not one of his it's not works. one of his finer works, and again, that partially may be production meddling. Of being like, you need to get these scores in. Like, I will, I'm sure there was a note that was like, get the Wonder Woman score in there. I will say, I'm glad though they didn't use. I one of the fears was when when you know they brought Joss Whedon on board to like redirect and retouch scenes, like and like add more levity and stuff. Like they were gonna throw in a rock soundtrack, and it's like, oh, you know, that like is what we don't need. Like you know, like this whole trend of like let's take classic rock songs. And jam them in here in a manner that doesn't work, or even worse, have a terrible cover version of it. Like the end, come together. Yeah. Like ah. Uh, yeah. I don't that know. Is too I don't much. know. I don't know who does that cover of the Beatles come together. It's fucking miserable. 
It's just as bad as Aerosmith's cover of Come Together. Come Together! And then, like, pounding. Like I said, I would have loved it if the film ended. Like, I like... Because I do like the... I do like the ending of this film where they're buying a new mansion and they're talking about how they want to assemble the Hall of Justice. Like, we... Like, because Bruce like, we need a table. A big table. You know. You know... At least to fit six, then Wonder Woman's like, no, or more if they want to come. Because at least that shows that they have, they have some sort of idea. They know there's of other where s- they want to go, and not like that. But they know, and like that's where I th- think having those like an Aquaman film and Flash film would make more sense to introduce that, like the fact that there are more superhumans and like super beings, like that, could, which could lead to eventually like Martian Manhunter joining, who's a, an original member of the Justice League, and like Hawk Girl and the Green Lantern Corps, and so on and so forth, and like could lead to that. So, I mean, I like that ending. I think though, if they built this universe up more to where we know more about the ongoings of it, and then get to Justice League, that'd make more sense, and that'd be great. It's like I can't wait to see, you know, Green Arrow, you know, come here, and or you know. Booster Gold, if you know, I would love them if they ever did their Blue Beetle. They're never gonna do something like that, but it's like you know, that'd be cool. But I do like that ending, and I think after that, because I'm feeling nostalgic, I think ending on like the Justice League Unlimited, like that nice rock, you know, theme, and that guitar so oh, that would have been like great, like you know. But I yeah. digress. That's that's me like fanboying <laughs> on that part. But well, uh, how did you feel about the Deathstroke ending, the the post credit scene? With Deathstroke and Lex Luthor. One, why is Lex out of prison? Because he was able to replace himself with a person that was also bald. <laughs> was that, I thought that, yeah, was, that, I thought that was I thought that was Jesse Eisenberg. No, no, the, the, the person in prison there was just another guy that was also bald. And it was like, oh, he... Laughing he, like the Joker? He escaped, yeah. 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 Which, by the way, that sh- like flyover shot like of his yacht and whatnot. So, what is this, a Bond film? It's like oh, he's like driving a, a fancy uh, speedboat up to yeah. a giant yacht. Yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah. it's like I'm watching a Bond film. Like I don't like you know. Um, I'm look. I'm fine with obviously. I think you know. I'm guessing Deathstroke's gonna have to play a part in like the Batman movie. I mean, hopefully, right? It's. Because if, if you think about it, like he's not gonna go up against Aquaman. No, he's not gonna be an Aquaman. That would just be stupid. Or like if like, like they do a Flash movie, like why? Yeah, why would he be in Flash? I mean, it make I mean, it makes sense. He does interact with all of them in the universe. But I mean, like mm. out of all of them, you would it have to be Batman mm-hmm. or Cyborg, because um, he he's a big villain in Teen Titans. But I mean, I I mean, I don't think I don't think his introduction like I, mean, I don't think see how where it's gonna fit and go not only that you also have lick saying he wants to start his own it like in justice league mm-hmm. okay got a couple of problems with that one why would destro care about that he's a mercenary mm-hmm. he's a for hired gun like you know dead shot you know he's a villain but because he take who's gonna be hiring people you know Someone like Deathstroke. It's not going to be Bruce Wayne. Like, oh, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. it's going to be villainous people. Mm-hmm. So he's a villain by a sense because he's a mercenary and an assassin. So why would he be interested in, like, joining, like, Lex's league? He's like, oh, you're just going to pay me to be hired help? Okay. That's not interesting. Not only that, okay, so then who's... We haven't seen any other villains. Who's Lex going to, you know, hire? Mm-hmm. Or, like, you know, get to follow his scheme? Yeah, Really? 
Not only that, as we said watching at the end of the movie, where the fuck Suicide Squad during all this? Yeah, like, why? why? They were good enough to take on Enchantress, who's like an evil goddess herself, and destroy her. Where's Waller and like, su- you know, in the Suicide Squad? She didn't just think it'd be good, you know. She obviously would have known Stephen Wol- who Stephen Wolf was. And, you know, him invading and what the mother bought. She would because pro- she's that character. She has all that intel. She knows she's, you know, a puppet master. You mean to tell me she probably saw that? Like, I'm going to sit this one out. Yeah. We'll let, we'll let Bruce deal with this, hopefully. And not get us killed. What the fuck were they doing throughout, you know, the entire film? It's a good question. <laughs> I don't know. So, I mean, it's yeah, just, and I, I don't really have feelings that, one way or the so other that about... Te- it's not a good tease for, like, future films. It's like, okay. Well, just because I think from what we've, we've, um, we know about what's coming, it just doesn't seem to fit in. Aquaman? No. The Batman? I guess. It just seems, again, like we're getting a tease that really is not going to come to fruition until much later. And then at that point, it's like, well, why do it? Why not tease something immediate? Like maybe an Aquaman uh, villain or something like or that, or like him going back to Atlantis. You yeah, know, like like I've I've decided I want to come back to Atlantis. You know, yeah. There's just no there's no lead up to like what's what's we know is coming soon, and it, again, it just shows like how disjointed the scheduling and the the planning for these DC films is. I don't know. I would have done it differently. <laughs> Right. Um, all right. Any other issues that you you or positives or negatives that you can think of? We didn't really bring up a lot of positives, but um, yeah, Jeremy Irons wasn't bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, he wasn't bad, just not used well. J.K. Simmons, obviously, we we like him. I like but, Jeremy Irons too. Yeah, but um, Henry Cavill's not bad. I guess. Oh, I, I there is something. The, the opening of this film was terrible. The whole like iPhone shot of like Superman, and, like the kids interviewing Superman. It feels very and it's disconnected again. Yeah. Tone deaf. It's totally disjointed from like you're just supposed and then like how it breaks into like the Justice League credit credit after that. It's like what the so what the fuck's the bearing on this? Is, is it supposed to signify how people love Superman? It's supposed to yeah. It's because People, if you remember, people didn't love Superman, you know, af- you know, after the fight with Zod. That's why we had Batman v Superman. The whole argument was, for the most part, everybody was turning against Superman because he was a god and they couldn't combat his power and they wanted to reel it in. So when was this shot? Or, you know, I think it's supposed to show that and it's also supposed, you know, supposed to be telling of his, his um, inability to answer the question about how he feels about Earth. Because, like, at that point, he doesn't answer the question and goes right into Justice League. And then later on, he, he finds out, like, I love living. I don't want to die any, again. You know what I mean? So he's, like, kind of found his calling on Earth as a, as a superhero. But, no, I, you're right. It doesn't work very well. It feels very disjointed. The film never calls back to it at all. So, yeah, it's... it's, it's... And so that that's one of the things I, I can't remember if I brought it up or not. But I also don't like how Batman does... Such a 180 on his feelings on Superman. Yeah, you did. You, okay. you, you said yeah. that. Yep. I think I'm uh, I'm all out. I pretty much uh, mentioned everything that I had to say about it. 
So, not only that, too, when I think about it now, I think you wouldn't you want to form the Justice League first before you got into Batman v Superman? Wouldn't it make sense maybe down the line to have that, like, they again, clash, like, 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 sort of a Civil War sort yeah, of thing? You know, again, like I said, like how, like, he's no, bat, again, Batman's, he, he works alone. He's a loner. He only trusts himself. You know, so it'd make more sense, like, down the line for him to break away from the Justice League because he's right. maybe, like, the way things Clark doing he doesn't like and how he and handling the, and, things and, and then that would make sense to have him be like just only a partial member of the justice yeah. league after that yeah i don't know whatever what do we know all right let's give it a rating on a scale of one to ten of jk simmons's toupees <laughs> what would you give justice league give it a six i agree we talked about this yesterday and I think it's a very middle of the road six. You know, it's not terrible. It's not great. Thank God it's only two hours long. Uh, any more than that, and I w- I would have been out for sure. Um, but I think like it's a six because it's middle of the road, but it's really it's not terrible. It's watchable. It's not Suicide Squad level of like disjointed where you, it's very difficult to follow. However, the mother boxes in the Steppen and Steppenwolf as a character, they are very bland, um, bland and and also Pedan- pedantic would be another yeah. word I would use. Not only that, but it's just in general convoluted. Like it doesn't have a very good handle on exactly what the mother boxes. If, if do. I wasn't a fan, if I didn't know more about the DCU, I would probably give this film like a four. Because I'd be like, I didn't like what the fuck Star Labs. What are mother? I like they just be like like all these. L- could prattle off a list of things like what's going on i don't understand like right. you know it's almost like read the titan comic that you know goes in with this they'll tell yeah. you more about it yeah you know? where, where cyborg come from you know things like that um and i but i would say like in the scheme of things this is not as good as wonder woman because i believe i gave wonder woman like a seven i think it was six and a half or maybe a six mm. i would say this is not as good as wonder woman but it is the second best of the recent slate of DC films. Uh, and I think I would actually say Batman v Superman would be third. And then Suicide Squad would be fourth. In my book. No, I agree. Um, be, and so I would say like, even so, even though, you know, it's second. I It's a huge step up from Batman v Superman. So if the DC films keep continuing on this trend. That's, that's okay with me. I would like to see them get exponentially better though um i think you're gonna need a whole new director yeah i'm i am curious to see what they do with aquaman especially with james wan at the helm um interesting directing it is yeah it is it's interesting and i'm hoping he can maybe infuse something in into this that's who's he gonna be fighting jigsaw tobin bell under (laughs) tobin bell under the sea (laughs) or a bunch of puppets wouldn't that be great if tobin bell ends up playing like the villain in that you know what would have been funny is if James Wan, because he does have a fascination with puppets. They show up quite a bit in Saw, in Dead Silence, what he directed. Um, it would have been funny if he did like a Batman with a ventriloquist. I would watch that. Because that would have been like right up his alley. Yeah. But but I think I am interested to see what he can do with Aquaman. Um, and I would say that even though I don't think that Justice League is a huge success, um, in some ways, it is because it does bring me back in to being at least a little bit more interested. And it doesn't in the get me hype. It doesn't get me hype for Aquaman, though. It doesn't, but it does bring me, get me a little bit more interested because after Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad, 
they almost lost us. And then Wonder Woman brought us back because it was like, oh, okay, that was not bad. And I would say Justice League is a step down as okay. And I guess I guess that's that's enough. It's enough for me to be at least a little bit more interested in the DCEU and not really and not rag on it as much as I had been. It just makes me want to play Injustice too. <laughs> that probably has better graphics and it does. Yeah. It's it better is. fight scenes. I, hey, like, like I said, where did this three hundred million dollar budget go? <laughs> bringing Joss Whedon in. If you're gonna <laughs> sully my name by <laughs> making me do these ridiculous rewrites and trying to cram my differing style into Zack Snyder's movie, then you're gonna pay me a lot of money to do it. That's what I would say. <laughs> Two hundred million, I mean, would <laughs> right? But I don't know. So, just think about it. It's like such God, such a waste. It, it 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 is gonna recoup it, but I know. But still, yeah, like geez. for a subpar movie, I know. But for films that have like a fifth of this budget, I can't even think of a movie that's even come close to a three hundred million dollar budget. Mm-hmm. Like, I there's been like you know two hundred million dollar budget movies, but I can't think of anything like that come came close to three hundred million. Yeah, and. It's just it's it does seem like a waste in that it's just a subpar. Because if the film's not gonna like gross a billion dollars worldwide, it's like why bother? Right. Like I yeah. I don't know. Guess that's what you can do if you get all the money in the world. Just piss it away, on <laughs> Piss it away on Zack Snyder projects. All right. So what do we have next for the show? I don't know. You're the one with the schedule. Um, next week. I don't know. I really don't know. We did. We never. Um, we never ended up doing um, um, phenomena. What episode number are we? At? Uh, ninety-five will be next week. Mm-hmm. So we'll go in the old Jallo tour territory yeah, again. I think so. All right. We'll do phenomena next week. That'll be fun. Um, because we never ended up doing that when we said we were going to. Kind of skipped over it. And then after that, I think we'll launch into our our Christmas programming because we do have a few that we want to do. I only know one. Christmas vacation. <laughs> doing it again. <laughs> no, just every year. Like, all right, we're doing it again. We're picking out some more things. Well, yeah. I do. I do have. I, you wanted to do um, Christmas with the Cranks, right? That's mm. the one you're thinking of. Well, yeah. And then well, I, I everyone's going to get get to experience the drinking game that everyone loves. <laughs> And I want to continue our Silent Night, Deadly Night coverage with Silent Night, Deadly Night 3. And I agree. And... I'm having... Every year I get fonder and fonder memories of Silent Night, Deadly Night. It's just like... It's the film that like gets better and better every... The more I think about it. It just warms my heart with glee. And what might be fun to do too? Scrooged. Mm. I would... Wow, very lukewarm reaction to that one. Uh, I would like. To, I think Scrooge would be fun. How about the Polar Express? Mm. Tom Hanks, you know, vehicle. Josh Groban. That Ugh. would be the soundtrack the entire time. Can we make our soundtrack be nothing but Michael Bublé <laughs> and Josh Groban? Sure. That's what Grobanites here. Um, we could also do something like the terrible elves, or. We could do Gremlins. We could do Don't Open Till Christmas. We could do um, the remake of Silent Night, Deadly Night, which is just Silent Night. 
technically a remake, but not really a, a total remake. Um, we could do uh, Silent Night, Bloody Night. Um, we could do Christmas Evil. There's a, there's a few that we could get to. Mm. We're not going to have time to do them all, but we could, there's a few. So, uh, that we haven't, you know, we haven't decided on fully, but those are coming for, for December. We'll work the kinks out. Well, all right. So join us next week for Phenomena and you can catch us on iTunes or Stitcher or any other podcasting app that you might use. We are also on um, Facebook at facebook.com slash Blood and Black Rum Podcast. We're on Twitter at Blood and Black Rum. We are on uh, our website, which is Blood and Black Rum Podcast at WordPress.com. And you can also find us on Coltsploitation on the Coltsploitation Podcast Network at Coltsploitation.com. And you can join the podcast network as well if you're so interested. We also have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash Blood and Black Rum Podcast. Uh, that is where you donate to us for as little or as much as you would like that comes out monthly and we will be going to a bi-weekly schedule starting in january with our episodes releasing on friday to itunes with a day early on thursday if you pledge a dollar to our patreon page all right that's it for our justice league episode hopefully you enjoyed it um hopefully you don't think that we are terrible people for Talking down about the film a little well, bit. Well, seeing as most of it's getting talked down about. Panned, yeah. Um, thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week. So stay with us. Take care.